0: This is the Organizational Health Advantage podcast with Keith Hadley and James Felton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion, and unwanted turnover. Welcome to the Org Health Advantage.
1: Hi there. Welcome back to the Org Health Advantage podcast. And today we're joined by my good friend and colleague, Joyce Schaefer. Joyce has been with the Table Group for many years. And prior to that, she founded the successful company Breakthrough ROI. Before that, she worked at Monsanto for 20 years, where she made the unique career transition from accounting to HR. That pivot made her a valuable strategic HR business leader, which is the basis of our topic today. The advantage a strategic HR leader brings to an organization. Hi, Joyce. It's good to have you. How are you doing today? Good, James. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm really excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for joining. Uh, So, want to get into your time? You spent a lot of time at Monsanto. Yes. For about twenty years. So. Yes. And what's interesting is you started in accounting and then went into HR and and talent management. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that and give us some context?
0: Okay. So actually, I started my career even a little bit before that in public accounting, which I think was actually probably one of the best things I did. It taught me how to get in and learn businesses really quickly, because I was an auditor. So then I joined Monsanto. And, you know, people can feel however they want about Monsanto. You know, Taylor sure. Swift says haters are gonna hate, hate, hate. But uh <laughs> but Monsanto was an amazing place to grow up. And and that's how I feel. I feel like I grew up there um, yeah. because they really had a strong people development culture from the beginning. Mm. So I spent about seven years in finance and accounting roles and then moved over to what my Accounting friends called The Dark Side and went over to HR and OD. Uh, so I spent about 13 years in HR and organizational development, which is really where I learned about Patrick Lencioni and all of yeah. his books. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so I spent, I learned a lot, and I was not a classically trained HR person. So I studied a lot, studied a lot of people, a lot of things. Um, and learned a lot. So I'm looking forward to talking about that.
1: Cool. Uh, Can we double click on that transition? Sure. Why, you know, why did somebody see in you like, you're a great accountant, think you'd be great in HR?
0: Oh, that's, oh yeah, that's a great question. Because so first of all, remember I said Monsanto was a great development culture. So I literally moved jobs every two years. So I worked in, Pensacola, Florida, in a manufacturing plant. I worked in Chicago at Searle in a pharmaceutical company, went back to St. Louis, worked in agriculture. So I I spent a lot of years in a lot of different companies with the same name on it, essentially. Um, So 20 years. So the so when I was in finance, there was a uh, a the company was splitting up essentially. They were they were selling off a unit, the chemical business unit. And so I ended up with the chemical business unit and always wanted to get back into Monsanto because it was just kind of like a a good old uncle to me and I wanted to be wanted to be there. And so I uh, just happened to have a friend who was in HR and someone asked them, hey, do you know anybody that um is just like you, you know, has the same kind of work ethic, all of those things, has had the same kinds of experience. And so ultimately, I got into a position managing an HR call center because no one in HR wanted to manage it. Oh, so it happened to be, yeah, so they were willing to take a chance. But I think it's because of the track record. And, you know, being at one company enables you to do that. You build a a track record. And so even though I was in different financial positions at the time, I hadn't been a cost accountant before. I hadn't been a financial analyst before and so on. And so this time I got to be the manager of an HL call center.
1: And what was the biggest thing you were worried about in making that transition?
0: Um, Probably rebuilding my credibility. That's probably, you know, I've never even thought about it, but I would say because I had the credibility in the finance and accounting world and I was entering this new space and I didn't have an HR degree, which I heard about a couple times from some HR people. Oh. Um, but, but yeah, so it was probably rebuilding credibility or establishing it almost like I was going into a new company.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Now, do you think, looking back at your career, do you think that was a, a, a positive that you didn't go in through the traditional HR route? Uh, was it a positive for you? Not necessarily uh, saying that everybody should go into accounting in order to get to HR, but yeah. do you think that served you well?
0: The accounting background? Right. Oh, without a doubt. Why Without a doubt, yeah. uh, because it gave me a really strong business foundation going into my HR roles. So I heard from many of my different business leaders that I would support in my HR roles that I didn't think like a typical HR person, and uh, and I would take that as a compliment as as they intended it. But I don't want to knock traditionally or classically trained HR people either because they develop skills that I didn't have um, but the financial background and understanding the business and you know just having that knowledge of income statements and balance sheets and all of those kind of things is something that maybe an a, a regular HR person may have to learn over the years and it isn't necessarily how they're naturally wired so it's a it's a developed skill for them. Some can do it, some can't.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought of you as a strategic HR expert. Like you oh, seem to really sweet. play that. You seem to really play that role and have a, a lot of knowledge around that. But that's a term that you know could be defined in many different ways. How would you define that?
0: The strategic HR person. Correct. I think. I think it's um, it's a partner that you have with your with the leader, with the CEO of the business or the president of the business, the head of the division. I think it's a role that the HR person plays as internal coach to the CEO, to any member of the executive team, um, and they have to think like a business person. They have to be able to have their functional hat you know, their HR hat, right. and then they have to be able to, when it comes to making decisions, when it comes to contributing, they have to think like a business person. And and the HR part is just their responsibility when they when they leave the room, right? Right, right. That
1: sounds like you have to develop a lot of trust with the leadership team in order to play that coach for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you heard me already say the words credibility. Right. You have to have credibility. And so um, you have to use, you know, the table at the table group, we talk about you have to be smart and healthy. You have to do that as an HR person. You can't just worry about is everybody happy? You know, you can't worry about preserving harmony um, because there's tough decisions that have to be made. You have to make them and you have to care in how you implement them, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't keep you from making the right decisions and the tough decisions. Right. Um, and so, yeah.
1: But we don't always see strategic HR leaders in the clients that we work with.
0: No, we don't. And I didn't always work with strategic HR leaders either. So uh, what would you say,
1: yeah. What would you say are some of the different differences that we see or some of the different, uh, leadership styles of HR people at different companies?
0: Yeah, so so the first one I would call is, I, I deem it personnel, you know, the people that I would call personnel. Right. So that, you know, you think back into the 80s, that's what HR was called, was personnel. And so uh, it would be people that are worried about getting your pay right. They're worried about getting your benefits right. They'll They'll put through the paperwork on hiring and terminating and things like that. But they really are very transactional in how they interact with the employees. So it's really more about like what now someone might call an HR specialist. I think HR people were doing a lot back in the day. So first of all, I'd call that personnel. Sadly, some organizations still have people that are only personnel and that's where I would say they don't they don't they don't capitalize whether it's the leadership team whether it's the individual in the HR position isn't taking advantage of the richness that HR can bring to the table um, you know and and it's not a it's not a seat that should be given to you a space at the table you have to earn it and that's where that credibility comes in um, and so the other two roles, the other two ways I see HR. Then, so we've got the personnel person. Then I think we've got the the uh, employee relations person that is really, really strong in helping leaders manage performance, get people hired, um, you know, take them through a performance improvement plan if that's the case, if that's what needs to happen. Um, you know, the people that are really there for the the manager more I would say it's probably more they they're in that one-on-one relationship with the manager in the work that they have to do that requires HR but it's much bigger than that personnel character I talked about so this person would probably be very caring very servant leader mindset oriented sure. just wants to be there and serve their clients and the people. Um sometimes they can take on too much of a employee only focus sure. and you know and not have that balance between tough decisions that have to be made and how they'll be implemented. They just stand up for for the employee all the time sure. um, That's probably the risk. And then the last one is that strategic HR leader, the the person that, has a seat at the table, has earned that seat at the table, the credibility um, they're part of. They lean into discussions, the conflict, when it's not even about people, you know, when it can be about a business decision. I worked, you know, Monsanto's a biotech company. I worked in the, in the biotech division. And so on one of the leadership teams I sat on, it was me and 14 other molecular biologists and (laughs) biochemists. And so, you know, having to learn a completely different language to have that credibility with them. Uh, But that was really important to me, was to have that, I had to be able to meet them where they were so that they could come to me and see the value that I could bring. And so, yeah, I loved working with scientists, but.
1: Right. But that yeah. probably took a lot of trust building with them because they probably looked at you as this quote unquote hr person right? And they're, they're literally scientists, right. And you probably really had to build up some trust with those people in order to gain their credibility or gain their respect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The thing that's beautiful about scientists though is that they they may know what they really, really know, and they're comfortable enough to to defer on the things they don't know. So sure. I would say when I, so I first worked with the scientific organization, then started working with the sales and marketing group. So I said, I went from a from a team that would ask for permission to a group that would ask for forgiveness, you mm. know? So just different cultures when you work with different types of people too.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So we're, we're uh, taping this in the middle of May and uh we're yeah. deep into covid and and the coronavirus and and dealing with that and clearly yeah. many of our clients and many businesses have been affected negatively yeah. by that how do you see the strategic hr person really playing a big role in a time like this
0: yeah great that is a great question and i had a feeling <laughs> i had a feeling you might ask me that so you know again it goes back to if if you have a strategic hr person they're not an order taker right? right they're not just they're not just waiting for the the leadership team or the king or whoever to come down and and proc, you know proclaim that they need to go do something and then they go do it um, so the strategic hr person is problem solving they're working with the business. They're a part of that leadership team and they're a part of the business. And so they have to be a part of all of those conversations and, and feel passionately about the balance between how are we going to do right by our people? And how are we going to do right by the business? Because ultimately you want the business to survive. And if we're only thinking about, um, nurturing everyone and making sure they're happy And okay, but we're not thinking about the financial implications of what's happening or how we're going to keep people safe while they're out there doing the things that they need to do. So I think the strategic HR person, um, if they're if their voice isn't if they don't have that voice, if they don't have the confidence or they don't feel they have the credibility, they may miss out on opportunities where they can really add a good balance to some of the um, more technical or smart side of the business decisions. So they have a responsibility to come forward and think about how is this gonna impact our people? How is this gonna play out? But it should never stop them from being a part of the decision in the discussion as well. So I I think that what I worry about with our clients is, you know, when it comes to the HR strategy and thing and you know, anything related to the people, the executive team has to has to have the ownership of that overall strategy, just like the business strategy. So the people strat you can't have the people strategy without having the the company strategy, right? Right. And the HR person is there delivering that and being a part of that, all of that. Um, but just like the HR persons shouldn't just sit in the business, in the people strategy, the leader shouldn't just sit in the business strategy. So the risk that HR sometimes allows is that they allow the executive team to abdicate responsibility for people and culture to HR. And I think the, the strategic business partner that has the credibility on that executive team will keep pushing that responsibility and ownership to everybody sitting around that table, as opposed to being that order taker and taking it away and doing.
1: Right, right.
0: I'm wondering if you
1: could um, provide some examples of that, like some companies where, that have just kind of merged those things and where the, the executive team takes that on as part of their holistic strategy, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, I think one of the big things would be the executive team collectively thinks about, okay, how do our values play out in how we hire? How do our values play out in how we set goals with people, how we manage people, how we promote the right people? And so, you can't have that just owned by hr right it won't it won't have the same stickiness factor i guess right. you know when you think about taking that to the rest of the organization so i think about executive teams that i've worked with that will have a people review and they sit around the table collectively together and they argue with each other for the right placement of, you know, the right assessment of each, each person that they're talking about and not just staying quiet when the other guy is talking because they don't want, you know, they don't want to argue with their other, per- with the other person at the table, their peer. And so when I see an executive team that is really in there and helping to develop and helping to give feedback to one of their peers people that's in a line with the conversation that's thinking about how do we develop these people together? If I don't know a high potential, even if they're not in my area, how do I get to know them? How do I open up doors in my silo, my area of responsibility? So we can do more cross-functional training of people and developing them as as stronger leaders. So I think if you have a leadership team that doesn't just say HR go take care of that, I think when you have that you don't have the strong succession plans, the real succession plans sure. that you need to have. Right. So that's an example I would say.
1: That's so good. That's so good. And do any companies come to mind when you think of of that? Like when you think of really strategic HR? Um, And and its development of people, but also like how important their their culture is to their company success. Do you think of any companies come right away?
0: Um, Great question. So that's that's actually a tough one, because some of the clients I think we work with. um, They don't have the right person to begin with. Mm. And a good point. And and they're, you know, they don't even know what they don't know. So it's, you know, it that developing, you know, really that that whole thing that I'm talking about is about our discipline for reinforce clarity through your people systems and how you hire and manage performance and all of that. Um,
1: Well, let me jump in there because the company I was thinking of uh, as you were talking about that was Chick-fil-A.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was thinking my own clients. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Chick-fil-A,
1: you know, ch- and ch- Southwest I, Airlines. Yes, for sure. And Chick-fil-A, yeah. um, you know, that they don't let most owners uh, have more than even two locations. You know, you can't have and it's really hard to get even two because yeah. they believe that you need to be present in order to be a good leader. And your people want you and need you to be present. And so if you're going between, you know, each of your 12 franchises, that you just can't be really present. And yeah, that's clearly a differentiator for them. It's a different strategy for them. Um, But it's one that I think proves successful for them. Because every time I go to a Chick-fil-A, everybody's really happy there. And and they just have such a great culture within the stores. And you think about it, you're like, Well, they're hiring from the same people as McDonald's or Burger King. It's the same pool, but it's a very different atmosphere when you go in there.
0: Very true. And when an entire company is focused on that and really trying to honor the culture, the company strategy, what they're trying to achieve, you attract people to your culture, right? So the people that are like that are already attracted to what Chick-fil-A offers.
1: That's such a good point.
0: And that's the beauty of having, having you know, because really strategic HR, strategic business, it's all interconnected. And if we don't see that, then we're missing huge opportunities in creating that culture that the executive team and the rest of the company really wants.
1: That's so good. That's so good. Uh, I want to kind of pivot a little bit here because I want your thoughts on this. I've worked with a couple of clients where, uh, and one was a really well-known uh, nonprofit charity, and mm-hmm. um, and I worked with them right after they had hundred percent turnover in their HR department.
0: Wow! Yeah, and which, and which like, is not oh. rare, by the way. <laughs> and you're thinking, wow, this
1: this nonprofit has such a great reputation externally. What is going on that they have this total turnover uh, within HR? And 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 then I, I work with another company where their HR was probably the least uh, performing team in the organization. And so just what does that what does that say to you about either the culture or the leader or the leader of the organization? Um where those things happen.
0: Gosh, and you know, James, I think that happens more than we wish it would. You know, I, I've I've worked with companies where they've said, you know, we just did an employee survey and HR was the worst of all the companies and, oh, no. and things like that. And so I think it's a matter of again, it's it's the the person that is more strategic will rise outside of it and look at it from a bigger picture and and sit there and say okay what's the problem what do we need to do how are we going to fix that you know and so on it if if they aren't you can get caught up in your own your own mess and so for me that's that that focus on collective results that we talk about with the five behaviors of a, of a cohesive team or the opposite, you know, the five dysfunctions of a team. Sure. Um, we talk about, you can't sit there and worry about how you feel about your job, your happiness, your department, your results, all of that. And I think some of what you're just talking about is, and it can happen everywhere, not just in HR, but, I think that has a lot to do with it. It's it's not thinking about the greater good of the organization, what you're trying what the organization's trying to achieve, what the purpose of the organization is. And so somehow, especially in a very successful nonprofit you're talking about, how could how could an HR per- pe- department not be happy about the purpose of the organization that they hired into? But it happens exactly. all the time. Yeah. 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 Hey, by the way, I wanted to I did want to tell you, you know, you asked me about the companies that that I've worked with. Sure. So I feel like I really have to put a nod out. So before I ever became a table group consultant, I was a client of the table group. Mm. And so that was back in my Monsanto sales and marketing days. And we we had a hugely dysfunctional leadership team. And you know, meetings before the meetings, meetings after the meetings, everything you can possibly imagine, in terms of what Pat has written about right. in his book, we had it. And so the leader said to me, "Hey, you know, can can you help me make this dysfunctional team a heck of a lot better?" And and I, I said, "Yes, of course." I was already a Lencioni geek by then, and so you know, I said, "I know just the company." And so we called in the table group, and we went on a three year journey. Some of it was with the table group. Some of it was on our own because we had the right people that needed to make it happen internally. Um, We totally transformed that leadership team. I was on the team. So it wasn't, I wasn't working as the consultant. I was sitting there being a part of it and transforming myself. Um, But over three years, we doubled the business. So we went from- 3 to 6 billion dollars. So that's just that's just a side benefit of what happened. But what was really cool was we had a strategic communications person on the team and we had me as the HR person. And so when you think about our four disciplines of organizational health, that we took the the values, the strategy, the, the leadership competencies that we developed, and that went into all of our people systems. So how we hired, we looked at you know the leadership competencies, the values of the organization, and how they stacked up against others, and, um, and setting goals. I mean, we had the values built into the system that we used to evaluate. We did the same thing with succession planning. People didn't get on the succession plans if they weren't leading well, if they weren't demonstrating the values well. Um, and so we, you know, it was a heavy development culture, but we, had, we built an award. We started realizing somewhere in there, hey, we've got some early adopters and we've got some people that are still really fighting this this change that we're trying to make. And so we came up with an award and it was an, a, a quarterly award specifically focused on the strategy. And so we saw people who were demonstrating that strategy and we created, you know, they got recognized at the at the quarterly town halls essentially for the division. Um, so there's a lot of things that can happen when HR is working with the business or, or HR is the business. If you want to think of it that way.
1: Right. Like I heard somebody say like, well, I, I worked with that company uh, where strategy and culture aligned. And, and, and I thought, I think they should be always aligned.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: You know, the strategy includes culture. You said you worked with your that leadership team at Monsanto, and you doubled the business when you started becoming yeah. a better team. Yeah, totally. You know, that's strategy and culture. That's the same thing. You know, in fact, the big result of of your team coming together was a doubling of the business. And so, in fact, like the strategy you had was there before; it was there after. The big difference was how your team uh, behaved together and worked together.
0: Yeah, and we had so much more fun. I mean, that's the that's the funny part of it all is that we had a blast together. And these were people who, you know, didn't give each other and I'm I'm I was new, so I'm not gonna say that I was out there, you know, being snarky about others, but there were people that totally did not trust each other and it was a big division. It was the biggest division of that Monsanto had. So it' It was a big revenue earner. Uh, you know, now it's probably a, a lot bigger than that. But there were 2,200 people and three different uh, channels that we, you know, we sold within and marketed within. So it was, it was really, really cool. But it was super cool when, when you think of those 2,200 people that they knew what our thematic goal was. They knew that our our big rallying cry was to earn the number one position with the customers because Monsanto had a had a reputation of being arrogant sure. uh, because they were technology leaders. So we were trying to change that. And so it was it was a to be a part of and see. See leaders develop and, you know, and so totally exactly what you said, taking taking the strategy and the culture and smacking them up right next to each other but in the same direction right.
1: yeah.
0: there's an organization called partners in leadership. They wrote the Oz principle. Yeah, right, um, right. How'd that yeah. happen? And one of my favorite quotes from what they write about is let me make sure I get this right. The results you're getting today are because of the actions you're taking today. Mm. So if you want different results, you've got to have different actions and So many organizations. I mean, that's so simple, right? But so many organizations fight that. They keep thinking we're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. But eventually, those results are going to change. And uh, and I think, yeah,
1: and they usually don't.
0: And they don't. If they don't, yeah, you know. So your prior podcast, you talked about humble leaders, and that's super important because those those leaders have to be willing to adjust and learn and grow. And that's another place where HR plays a huge role because they have to be able. So HR plays a a strange role because they're a part of the business. They have a boss, but they have to be willing to give their boss tough one-on-one feedback because they are the internal coach. And there's a lot of people that are afraid to do that, right? And and the sad part is, so I would sit in so many people reviews and the bosses, you know, all the leaders would be sitting around the table and they say, you know, I love this person. They deliver. They're always thinking ahead. They're super proactive. The only thing they don't do is challenge me. And, and then I'd be talking to the individual and the individual will be like, yeah, I'm just so afraid to speak up that I'm going to lose my job if I do. And so I think that's a big place and a big connector that also HR can help coach and develop these leaders to be able to have the right kind of conversations with, with their people, because it's all about development. And sometimes you got to develop the leader before you can develop the individual that they're trying to improve.
1: Oh, that's good insight. Oh, so good. Uh, You talked about a quote uh, from, Oh yeah. yeah. so do you have any favorite quotes?
0: I do. I have, uh, (laughs) I have a lot of favorite quotes. I love, i you know, I love to quote a lot of things. So my, one of my favorite quotes that, you know, I, so in my early days in consulting, because I, I was on my own for eight years before I officially joined the table group. And there was, I used to read so much you know i can't even I can't even believe how much I read because I was just trying to learn as many things as I could. One of the things I came upon was this book called "You can't Send a Duck to Eagle School."
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Have you ever I heard haven't. of that it's It's by those simple truths people that you know put the posters teamwork, and you know <laughs> all those kind of funny things but anyway, they wrote this book, and the guy that wrote it, I think his name's Mac anderson he might be I think he's the CEO of the company. But he, he in, one, in this book, You Can't Send a Duck to Eagle School, um, I loved this quote because so many companies talk about the customer and we have to put the customer first and we have to do this and we always have to think of the customer, which is super true. But the quote is, so it's a long one, it's to build a customer first culture, you must put them second. Your employees must come first because there's a rule of thumb in business that says your people will only treat your customers as well as they're being treated. Thus, to have satisfied customers, they must be served by passionate people. And I just I love that. I love what it represents because it's saying, yeah, absolutely, you have to you have to always be thinking of the customer and the decisions you make. But you have to think about the the impact on the people and how you're engaging the people to serve that customer. So you think about Chick-fil-A, you talked about Chick-fil-A, you know, everyone, I have never heard anyone say, yeah, good day, (laughs) get out of here, you know, next or anything like that. But you hear that all the time at different places. And when was the last time you heard
1: somebody complain about the service they got at Chick-fil-A?
0: I've never heard anyone complain. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, I've never heard it because the only thing I ever hear about Chick-fil-A is people are like, how can those people be so happy? And it's the only place where, you know, the statement they say when you leave. You know, it's always my pleasure. Right. And we all know it's their pleasure. So that's. Some They're doing something right, for sure.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to this conversation, you know, HR is part of their strategy, and they've got strategic HR people all over the place.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Now, you mentioned you can't send a duck to Eagle School. Right. Do you have any other books that you really recommend? What's your favorite or favorite couple of books that you like to give out, either to clients or to your peers at table group, what's, what are the one or two books that you gift most often?
0: Yeah, that's not a table group book. That's obviously. not a
1: table group book. Yeah. Well, what's your favorite <laughs> of the table group
0: books? Oh, hands down the four obsessions of oh, an extraordinary really? executive. Yeah, it was, it wasn't my first table group book, but it was one of my first. And as an oh gosh, I can't believe I didn't say this because we're talking about strategic HR. That book unlocked so much knowledge for me of how to be a strategic HR leader.
1: Um, Talk more about that.
0: And it's it's the precursor to the advantage, yeah. right? It's just the fable, fable version of the advantage. So for me, those four disciplines of organizational health, which was in the Four Obsessions book, um, That created for me a framework that anytime somebody came to me with a problem, uh, you know, so it worked for me while I was in HR and it worked for me when I left and went out on my own and did business development calls. But anytime someone would come to me with a problem and say, Hey, we need to do a change management program, um, So you know, I think about change and the communication is discipline three. So I I'd say, okay, well, I'm going to step back and say, okay, so what are we changing? Are we clear? Do we have clarity of the change? And and they'd be like, well, no, we just know we need to change. And it's like, okay, let's get clear first. Now let's before we get clear, let's talk about the health of the team. Is the team working together to be able to achieve that clarity? And so for me, it was the best diagnostic tool as an HR leader. It gave me that framework. And we as HR people had, or the organizational development department had a responsibility for training. And so they were coming up with a lot of training that I didn't, I was just having a hard time like wrestling with why are we doing this? Are we creating programs just for the sake of creating programs? And when you connected it to create clarity and the HR and OD programs need to be able to reinforce that clarity, it was like the hallelujah choir went off. It just reinforced this thing, this doubt or nagging question that I couldn't put a name to until I saw how it was all connected. And so that's awesome. When I went into yeah, when I went into the the sales and marketing role, they said, "Joyce, one of your first responsibilities is to create a people strategy," and I was like, oh, "Okay, what's the business strategy?" And they all kind of all <laughs> kind of looked at me like, uh, duh," and 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 I'm like, "Well, it's really going to be hard for me to." create something that aligns and helps us to get to where we need to go unless we're clear on what the business strategy is. That's why we started some of the strategic work we
1: had. Oh, that's so good right um, there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so Four Obsessions, No Question is my favorite book. That's the one I, I highly recommend. Let me just
1: double click um, real quick. I think that's so kay. good what you just said. I don't want to over, go over that um, or, <laughs> or blow past it. That what they said your responsibility is to come up with a people strategy. And you said, what's the business strategy? And they, it sounds like they couldn't answer it.
0: Correct. It wasn't clear.
1: And, and you needed to know that in order to create the right people strategy.
0: Absolutely. Cause there's, they have to, and, and there's 12 leaders on a team. When the team's not cohesive, there's 12 strategies.
1: Oh, that's so good, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: So, how's the HR person ever going to be able to deliver satisfaction if they're trying, if they're, you know, serving twelve masters? Oh,
1: so good, bingo, right, right? there. You know, yeah, I love that line. If, if the team isn't aligned, there's twelve different strategies.
0: Yeah. 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 Huh. In the best case, there'd be five to seven because your leadership team would be smaller, exactly. right? But exactly. I'm not going to talk about that right exactly. now. Um, yeah, so that's my favorite table group book. One of the books that I love, I use in in our offsites when it's appropriate, is, uh, and it's, I don't use the book, I use the model. Sure. And it comes from, I referred to it earlier, the Oz Principle. Right and and i think it totally aligns with you know one of our one of our dysfunctions is lack of accountability yeah. right yeah. and fear of holding people accountable and so the book is all about accountability personal accountability not being victims not falling to the victim cycle so i i like to refer to that when it's appropriate when i've got a team who's blaming everybody else um, fallen fallen below the line as they call right. it. So I think it's it's a simple model and people resonate with it. I've only had it backfire on me <laughs> one time with a team that clearly was being were being victims, but they were upset that. I actually use the term, so you know they were upset that I called them victims. Yeah. Um, but
1: naked consulting, Got to, got to give them the, naked yeah, the, the kind truth, sometimes. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah. So I like that. I like anything by the Heath brothers. You know, the book Switch mm-hmm. was a good one. Um, but those are those are some. It's not like I give those out at Christmas time. <laughs> I give. Caramels and chocolate out at Christmas time. You know,
1: you mentioned accountability and uh the Oz principle. I once gave a client um a book by uh Jocko Willick and and it was about accountability. Like at the end of the day, you're the leader, Mm -hmm. you're accountable. And I gave Mm -hmm. it to uh the CEO of this company and he read it and we followed up he's like "james i love it you're exactly right my people need to read this thank you so much because they need to <laughs> hold themselves accountable" i'm like "hold on a second this was no that's not what I'm talking totally about, you know
0: yeah i had my very first my very first consulting engagement when i started my own company that was the leader wanted coaching and teamwork for everybody on the executive team except for him <laughs> Yeah, that's that's when you know to to you know either walk away, really try to convince them first, and if they are unconvincible,
1: that's probably not. It's just going to not. Work. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, Joyce, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much. I, I love your insights on the strategic HR and and uh, the value they play when they take that approach to an organization and and mirroring you know, the, the people strategy with the business strategy, it just seems so obvious, but not a lot of companies take it that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you asked me for a quote, Oh, uh, you know, my real quote, right? I gave you my business quote, quote? my real quote. It's, it's a little embarrassing, but it comes from the movie, dirty dancing. (laughs) Nobody puts baby in the corner. (laughs) Right. And so I completely believe that that plays out on teamwork and it plays out with HR. When you think about um, people can poo-poo some people's ideas, some people's thoughts, and, uh, you know, the quiet person on a team needs to speak up. The HR person that thinks they're just an HR person or an employee relations person needs to get out of the corner so nobody puts baby in the corner. (laughs) It applies to everything. It applies
1: to everything. That's so good. All right. I was not yeah. thinking you'd pull out a quote from Thirty Days. But all right.
0: Yeah. So, so it's been fun, James. Thank you so Thanks much. for having yeah, me. Yeah.
1: Thank you. It's been great. Boy, I thought Joyce Schaefer knocked it out of the park. So I want to thank Joyce for for joining us once again on the Leadership Forum podcast. She really outlined how important it is for an hr leader to be strategic in their mindset in uh, helping solve the problems of the uh, organization as a whole and not just advocate for the employer or advocate for the employee that we've got to do both of those in solving strategic problems on our next episode we're going to have mike McCarg, who's an author a friend, and a colleague at the table group. Mike's book, Rookie Mistakes, talks about the mistakes he's seen leaders make, and they actually own up to it in the book, which is awesome and a a great case of uh, an example of vulnerability. And so I'm really looking forward to talking to Mike and learning more about uh, what he's learned from his clients. Until our next episode, I hope that you share and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Org Health Advantage. Your hosts, Keith and James, are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out tablegroup.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.